Hey guys, if you're interested in checking out a video version of the show, please visit the Low Key Geek channel on YouTube. There you can not only catch the video version of the podcast, but you can also check out my other projects and short form video that I produce. You can find a link in the description. Otherwise, sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. Hey everybody, on this episode of Talking Talk, we're going to be talking about Black Adam and that special announcement from Henry Cavill that Superman is returning. It's uh, proper timing for that announcement, especially if you saw Black Adam over the weekend. We're going to talk Black Adam spoilers and House of the Dragon has, has concluded and what a season it has been. So let's talk about that finale and the series as a whole. It's Talking Talk. Let's go. What's going on? Welcome back to another episode of Talking Talk, the podcast show that we talk about anything. Pop culture, movies, TV, all that kind of stuff like that. Still trying to find out and figure out the regularity of this show. Originally, I said it was going to be Tuesdays, but with so much stuff happening from the weekend, figured let's do a special episode today on Monday, and then we'll do another one on Wednesday when Andor drops. So we'll be able to talk about some of that stuff and some news bits here and there. And who knows, maybe I may feel like doing something on Friday. We'll see. Maybe this will be three times a week. I don't know, but you'll find out. You know how you can find out? Subscribe to the channel if you haven't done it yet. You like what you see? Don't forget, show some love. It doesn't cost you a thing. Hit that like button. Subscribe if you haven't done so already. Hit that notification bell to be notified every time a new episode is uploaded or any other videos uploaded since we do. Well, I see we. Why am I talking to myself like in the third person? But I do a lot of movie reviews. I have another podcast with a friend of mine, Blake the Wolf, called Movie Time, where we talk about movies and such. So good stuff on this channel. Of course, there's reactions and all that kind of stuff like that. And for you audio listeners, thank you so much for listening. If you want an audio version of this show or anything else that I upload, type in Loki Geek on your podcast platform of choice, and you could find this and many other things to download from that channel. Again, thank you so much for your support. But with all that being said, um, let's talk about this announcement from Henry Cavill. So... Henry Cavill waited till today to make this special announcement about the return of Superman. Posted this really amazing image and he did this video pretty much stating, um, you know, that this was a very small taste of what's to come. My friends, the dawn of hope renewed. Thank you for your patience. It will be rewarded. Um, That being said, again, I feel like the timing of this announcement is perfect because for a lot of people who did get a chance to watch Black Adam over the weekend, there's a reasoning behind it all. There's a huge tie. And if you haven't seen it yet, be warned that I will be going into spoiler territory right now. So with that being said, spoilers are going to be done for Black Adam. And if you haven't seen it yet, again, be warned about that. But now's a great time to talk about Black Adam because... At the very end, post credit scene, you have Black Adam there doing what he's doing, chilling in Kandok or whatever the place is, his hometown. And he gets a message from Amanda Waller, basically stating that, you know, it's cool that you behaved a little bit and you didn't cause too much destruction, but 
we need to make a deal. You need to stay there. Don't go anywhere else or else I'm going to have to call in a favor and have someone meet up with you. He basically says, bring it. Challenge accepted. Of course, I'm paraphrasing and all that. And then there's smoke and then we hear a presence land and all that. And here he is, Henry Cavill, Superman, the worst kept secret of Black Adam because of Dwayne The Rock Johnson spoiling stuff on the Internet. Basically, he comes out and says, hey, let's have a talk, shall we? And that's pretty much how the movie ends. So obviously, that was like one of the major highlights of the movie. Um, everyone in the theater that I was at went nuts and it was a lot of fun just to finally see Henry Cavill back donning the outfit and the suit and seeing him represent himself as Superman. Now, again, this is not the first time Superman was hinted in the DC universe as of late, especially within the Shazam universe, because at the end of the first Shazam movie, we hear a voice, which I do believe was Henry Cavill who recorded it, um, you know, implying that Superman wanted to talk to Shazam. So what does this mean for the future of the Superman franchise, Man of Steel 2 or what have you like that? Um, we don't know. There has been no writers attached, um, no idea of what the story is looking like. We don't even know um, timeline as far as production is concerned for any Superman related you know, film whatever the case is, or if he's going to show up again in another DC property, right? We know next movie coming up, we have Flash, we have Aquaman 2. Um, but however, it feels like uh, with Flash, you have uh, Michael Keaton um, showing up as Batman. And then in Aquaman, you still have Ben Affleck kind of showing up as Batman. So I still like they're still trying to figure things out. But it is a good sign that we're finally um, going to see Henry Cavill there. Now, the interesting thing about this article uh, from Dark Horizons, uh, let me pull it up again, is, again, it just reminds you of how disorganized and how unaware these, uh, Warner Brothers management was when dealing with the DC live action stuff. So um, it says here, getting Cavill back to the role was a fraught experience as previous DC film boss Walter Hamada denied any possibility of a cameo in Black Adam. It wasn't until after Warner's chief Michael DeLuca and Pamela Abdi started their jobs in July. Uh, this is when uh, Discovery pretty much uh, took over and all that. And Hamada began plans for his exit. That star Dwayne Johnson was able to go around Hamada's back straight to DeLuca and Abdi to get the thumbs up. So it, The Rock had a lot to do with trying to get Cavill back in the role of Superman and in the forefront uh, in front of management eyes and all that. I mean, it's a no-brainer. It's kind of stupid that it's taken this damn long to get another Superman appearance, another Superman movie, or anything Superman you know, related, especially, especially with Henry Cavill. I mean, so many people love him. The fans uh, adore him. You know, he's a geek like a lot of us and everything like that. And, you know, he, he he's passionate about the role. You know, so... Why haven't we seen more of that stuff? So very, very interesting to see what's going to happen and coming up there. But again, we don't know anything yet. As far as Black Adam's concerned, um, I do have my review up on the channel. So if you want to, you could check it out and all that. Non-spoilers. But since we are talking spoilers in this one, there's some interesting stuff about the movie that worked, but at the same time maybe didn't work so much. 
Um, the one thing that really stood out the most that I think I found a little bit annoying was I mentioned in my review that uh, it's a very like 90s throwback type of action movie. Um, and particularly one particular movie stood out, and that is Terminator 2. Um, they really utilized the whole fish out of water concept when Black Adam was uh, resurrected and he showed up in modern day, um, you know, reality and all that stuff like that. And the first person he comes across with is this boy. It's a, the son of um, the character Isis, played by Sarah Shahi. Um, and uh, basically, this boy has a room. You know, you could tell he loves comic books and superheroes. And you have so many posters and images of Superman and Batman, Aquaman, the, basically the entire Justice League, right? And, you know, Black Adam doesn't know where he is. Um, I guess because of his intelligence and um, I, I saw someone on online try to explain that um, since, you know, he has the, the power of a lot of the gods and all that, one of the gods can pick up things really quickly and learn a little really fast. So I guess all he had to hear was some people speak English and he can speak English right away and all that. But... The kid is trying to teach him how to be a superhero, right? Especially like trying to give him a catchphrase. It's like, you should have a special catchphrase, you know? We should change your look, maybe give you a cape, all that kind of stuff like that. And your catchphrase should be something cool like, tell them the men in black sent you and all that. And this kept going on and on and on. And it was like carried out throughout the whole movie. Uh, I felt like it was shoehorned in some weird scenarios where... You know, he's an anti-hero and he's already made it very clear that he's going to kill people and he kills somebody or like whatever he did. And then he just remembers last minute. Oh, tell him the men in black. Oh, never mind. You know, got to get a little chuckle out of me. But at the end of the day, it, it's a little bit silly and ridiculous and all that stuff. Um, so that was really interesting there. Um, the one thing that worked really well for me and that I really appreciated and I think this is something that maybe the movie was lacking and I wish it had more of was really the introduction of the JSA, the Justice Society of America. Um, I love the introduction of Hawkman, um, Aldous Hodge. I thought it did a brilliant job. I love that he is has this like Bruce Wayne persona. You know, he's he has money. He lives in a mansion. He has all these gadgets and all these this technology. The, the jet that they're flying around with has his logo stitched on the seats and everything like that. But we don't exactly know why. We don't know. We don't even really know or it wasn't really made clear which iteration of Hawkman this was. Um, so it would have been really cool if we got more of a backstory there. But again, this was a movie full of, full of introductions. The JSA intro and, of course, the intro of Black Adam. Um, then Dr. Fate who, if a lot of you don't know, Dr. Fate is basically the DC's Doctor Strange, right? He does he deals with a lot of mystic powers and the mystic realm and all that, but his powers are fueled by the helmet that he wears. Um, and at first, I thought it was really interesting that they chose Pierce Brosnan to portray uh, Dr. Fate because Pierce is, is kind of old already, right? Um, but you could tell they utilize that in the storyline of the JSA that they worked together before him and Hawkman. So they have a history there. 
But of course, as a viewer, we don't know what that history is. You know, we didn't see there was no, like no flashbacks to previous missions or whatever the case is. There's no uh, stories about, oh, we did this and we did that. Oh, remember that time back in, um, you know, Budapest? Nothing like that. Right. But. It's unfortunate because at towards the end of the movie, when Dr. Fate actually dies, um, which is surprising that they decided to kill him off that quickly, especially for a character that I do feel like would eventually become a fan favorite, um, especially with this little taste that we got, that they killed him off so quickly. However, the helmet is still around, right? So the helmet will decide, kind of like you know Green Lantern's ring, who is worthy enough to wear the helmet again, right? But when he dies, you see the anguish you see the emotional impact it had on hawkman because they've been friends they've worked together for so long but as an audience member for me personally i didn't feel it i was not really emotionally invested in their relationship and these characters and all that stuff like that so i felt like for me that whole thing felt very flat which is kind of unfortunate because i felt like they were really trying so hard to get you that invested and then for some strange reason, Hawkman was able to harness the powers of the shield of the helmet and was able to also do kind of like the, the projection, the, the multiplying of himself to surround Black Adam and all that stuff. When they're trying to like calm Black Adam down and get him to like surrender and, and give up and go come back with them to jail so they, they could imprison him and not worry about him going nuts and all that stuff like that. But I guess maybe there's still a little bit of Pierce's Dr. Fate embedded in the helmet. And since they're good friends, they he was allowed to kind of do the same thing. I don't know. It was not explained. I felt like it was just a thing that they created at that moment to, you know, uh, execute the type of result that they wanted. Right. Another thing I loved about the JSA was the introduction of Adam Smasher and Cyclone, um, uh, portrayed by Noah Centineo and Quintessa Swindell. But I did say in my uh, review that I do wish they kind of used other characters that could have been a little bit more impactful. But they grew on me because of the little cute relationship that they kind of formed with each other since they're more of the rookie class, right? They're more of the younger members. Um, they never worked with these other two before. Um, so you could tell that Adam Smasher is learning the ropes. He inherited uh, the suit from, I believe it was his uncle, um, portrayed by the Fonz himself, which I thought was really funny that you had um, the interaction with him and the Fonz, Henry Winkler, on the phone. They probably paid Henry Winkler just to do a selfie video uh, reciting the lines, and he probably got a payout for that, which I thought was hilarious. But it was kind of cool to see. So he's trying to carry on the tradition, almost like um, like Ant-Man um, in the Marvel Universe, how it's kind of like generational, right, in a way. Um, and then Cyclone, we don't really know her backstory, but in conversations she had with Am Smasher, she mentioned that there was some mad scientist who injected these things into her, and that's how she basically got her powers. But it was such like a passive conversation that if you weren't really paying attention or maybe you weren't really that invested, you could easily miss, right? So again, 
interesting characters, but not a lot of backstory. And to be quite honest, not a lot of or enough character development to make someone really, really fully invested into these characters. But it was enough for me to say, I want to see more of them. I want to see more of this team up. And, you know, in the comic books, of course, Black Adam and Shazam has a lot to do with the JSA. So this could be something that we could be seeing continuously, depending on how they handle the franchise moving forward. If it's going to be more Black Adam movies, maybe we're going to see a Shazam Black Adam team up eventually and Superman in the mix in there and all that stuff like that. So we'll see what will happen. Or are they going to do the Suicide Squad route and maybe do a spin-off series like Peacemaker and do something that is JSA related. I think those are some some of the smart things that they could do to kind of build up on this lore, um, especially while they still try to figure out what they're going to do with the Trinity and the Justice League of America and all that stuff like that. So really interesting stuff. Another thing that I thought was really off about the movie, and again, this is more just about how the writing was and, and the pacing and all that. When they finally did capture Black Adam and they brought them to that maximum security prison and which we got to see Jennifer Holland portray um, uh, Harcourt. Like, again, if you're a fan of Suicide Squad, Peacemaker, it was great to see her there pop up, you know, because, you know, she's working with Amanda Waller. They basically imprison him, right? And literally, like, in minutes... They realize, oh, shoot, we need his help again. We can't deal with all of this stuff. Well, got to get him back out. Got to break him out and all that. So what was the point? What was the point in imprisoning him in the first place? Like for me, that really just didn't make a lot of sense at all. Um, and I thought that was just wasted screen time and, and wasted time and all that. Um, just poor writing that we got the introduction of the intergang, um, which is a very interesting group of people um, or group, I should say. Um, they're kind of like, um, I guess, in this portrayal, uh, International Crime Syndicate. They somehow have harvested a lot of that um, that mineral that we saw in the movie that's being harnessed um, called Eternium or whatever. I remember when they first said it, I was like, what is this? He-Man and Masters of the Universe? I thought he, they said Eternia, but it's like Eternium, right? Um, but the, that's what's like powering their cycles, their air bikes and all that stuff like that. The only reason why I know about the intergang and why I thought they were kind of interesting is because I remember seeing some of it uh, or some of them brought up in the Justice League cartoons. Um, there was this game I used to play with my friends called Heroclix. And that was a syndicate that was really popular that you could build a team around and all that stuff like that. Um, but again, you don't really, we didn't get a lot of insights as to why are these guys so big? Why are they so strong? Um, you know, where did they come from? How, how far is their reach as far as their their crime control and, and you know, groupings and all that stuff like that? So I, again, there's some sloppiness definitely to this story, to the movie. Um, a lot of things that's just glanced over, not really fully explained. Um, things that, you know, this, the creative decisions that were made were kind of like weird. But there are positives, obviously. And again, it's one of those movies where that's why I say, even though for a lot of people, it's going to be very 
paint by numbers. It's going to be, you know, very typical and nothing new within the, the genre and all that. I was still entertained. You know, there was enough stuff there to entertain me. Uh, I mentioned, of course, in my view, how I just hated the overuse of slow motion and the over stylization throughout the movie. You know, like everyone had their hero moment and everyone had to have their slow-mo moment and everything like that. Like that definitely played a little toll on me watching the movie. Um, but yeah, but oh, at the end of the day, you know, there was some interesting stuff that they decided to introduce. Again, I don't know where it's going to go from here. Uh, I, I do feel like Warner Brothers has a lot to, of stuff to figure out. But what they do well with is like kind of like these solo standalones. And, and I guess in a way you could kind of call them like Elseworld um, storylines, right? You know, just like how we saw with the Joker. Um, Shazam, I, I guess they are trying to tie that within the regular Justice League universe. Black Adam, the, the same thing too. Again, you have Amanda Waller, who's like the connecting tissue there and all that. So it is going to be really interesting to see how they're going to like figure things out as they go. Um, especially now with uh, introduction and the announcement that Black Adam, uh, sorry, Black Adam, Superman is finally coming back out into the mix and we will hopefully be seeing more stuff with him very soon. But as far as um, how well Black Adam did in the theaters, um, not too shabby. Um, basically, you have the domestic box office numbers here. Um, Black Adam, of course, took in the top spot, $67 million, which is around what they were projecting. I think they were projecting around 60 to 65 So this slightly beat projections there. Um, but I believe worldwide... Uh, we're looking more around 142 million, so or 209 million. Sorry, because it did have an earlier release in some territories, so not too shabby. Um, I do feel like a lot of that is mainly because of The Rock. You know, he is internationally popular and well known to a lot of people. So you know, it, it's and I believe it was reported as well that. This is the highest opening for any movie with The Rock in it. So, which I also do find surprising, but at the same time, not surprising, given the fact that, you know, the Fast and Furious franchise is very big and he's been in a couple of them. But I but I guess that's not really his movie, right? That's not his. He's not the lead actor in that movie. So I guess for a Rock-led movie, this is the highest grossing one that's ever come out as of yet. So congratulations to Dwayne Johnson there and The Rock. Um, so yeah, very curious. Um, again, if you've been watching this or listening to this at this point, you either didn't care to get spoiled or you already seen it and you know you just wanted to hear my spoiler thoughts because I did say I was going to do them um, on the channel. So I am definitely curious to hear what all of you think about the movie. How do you feel about the new announcement about Henry Cavill really officially returning into the suit of Superman? But again, we don't know exactly where it's going to lead to. Um, but how excited are you that it looks like it's going to move forward? It looks like we're going to get some stuff. And maybe in the, in the upcoming months, we'll be hearing more announcements about what their plan is with Superman, um, the Boy Scout there. So definitely let me know in the comments. The great thing about um, this channel and what I do when I create these videos. 
I love the conversations I have with a lot of you out there. So it is very important for all of you to comment. Um, you know, it's, I, I know a lot of people like to watch and they still show support by liking the video and watching and all that stuff like that. And, you know, the lurkers out there, I appreciate you all. But if you want to engage in some conversation, don't be shy. You know, I love having the conversations with a lot of you out there and I've had so many already so far. So, you know, again, uh, I welcome the conversation. Let's discuss about this stuff um, and let me know your excitement about Superman and let me know what you thought of Black Adam and where do you think Black Adam should go from here, right? Should we immediately jump into a confrontation with him and Superman or should we at least have a proper introduction with him and Shazam and maybe have that spawn into something big, right? Because they need a foe that can really go toe-to-toe -to -toe with them, right? So if Black Adam finds out, oh, wait a minute, there is another version of me out there with the same powers and all that stuff like that, um, except I was the reject. I was the one they thought they made a mistake on, and this is their new champion. I need to meet this guy. And wait, what? He has a family who all has the same abilities and powers and all that stuff like that? I need to meet them. And then if, if their confrontation gets out of hand and like, oh, no, there's too much destruction, we need someone to really corral this, in comes Superman, right? Maybe bringing Wonder Woman along with him. I don't know. But Superman first. And then that how that's how all that starts. And especially knowing how much of a fanboy Shazam is with Superman, I think that would be really, really interesting. But again, we'll see what happens. But yeah, let me know where you think the franchise should go from here. Hey everybody, are you a fan of collectibles, action figures, Funko Pops, and all that stuff like that? Do me a favor and visit EntertainmentEarth.com and you won't be sorry. Entertainment Earth is the premier place online for the latest and greatest toys, the most exciting action figures, and the coolest gifts and collectibles pop culture has to offer. From television, movies, sports, celebrities, comics, internet memes, and every fandom in between, they drop new products daily and curate their selection so that you don't miss out. Whether you're looking for something stellar from a galaxy far, far away with Star Wars, or from the streets of Gotham City with DC Comics, they've got surprises for everyone. Get access to exclusive releases and limited run pre-ordered. You can even reserve hard-to-find items before they arrive. From Funko to Hasbro, all your favorite vendors are represented in their robust catalog of cool collectibles. Take advantage of their unparalleled industry expertise and make your collection as worthy as Marvel's Thor. They are pleased to offer risk-free shopping with their industry-leading mint condition guarantee and hassle-free 90-day returns. Find that grail you're seeking for yourself or someone you love. And because I know how special they are and how they're going to be great for a lot of you out there, I worked a special deal with them that if you check out the link featured in the description of this episode, you will get 10% off plus free shipping over orders of $40 or more. I mean, that is fantastic, don't you think? Now, the 10% discount is only good for uh, in-stock merchandise, so it doesn't work for any pre-orders, but if you take a look at their site, there's going to be a lot of stuff they have in stock that you'll probably want to get. So again, visit that special link in the description of this episode to take advantage of this awesome 10% offer plus free shipping and buy yourself or a loved one something really cool. Entertainment Earth, so many toys, so much fun. All right, let's keep that spoiler text on the screen because now it's time to talk about 
House of the Dragon. Um, I have been watching this show week to week. Uh, haven't really had a chance to talk so much about it because of obviously all the other stuff that's been happening uh, as far as movies are concerned. And and to be honest, there is just so much TV content now out there. Uh, we had at one point where I was catching up week to week, we had House of the Dragon, Rings of Power, She-Hulk, and Andor, right? Plus prior to that, we had... Cobra Kai, the la the latest season of Cobra Kai, and The Sandman that dropped on Netflix. So there was just so much to really catch up on and really follow every week. Now, that doesn't mean I, I didn't try. So obviously, I was watching this. And apparently, so many other people were watching it too because um, with the season finale airing last night, basically, there are, uh, there's, you know, people talking about the numbers and all that and how the finale drew big, big numbers. So in this uh, article, you see like around 9.3 million viewers turned into the season finale of HBO's House of the Dragon. Uh, that marks the premium cabler's biggest finale night for a series since the conclusion of Game of Thrones in May of 2019 that pulled in 19.8 million viewers around the same period. Um, you know, they talked about the metrics and how they pulled the numbers and all that. Um, they said, surprisingly, it's not the high watermark of the season because that belongs to the show's second episode, which managed 10.2 million viewers. Um, so, you know, obviously, probably with the pilot airing and, you know, word of mouth and all that stuff like that, more people were kind of curious about the show, right? Um, but the fact that it has such stiff competition, because now we're in football season, right? So, obviously, football's huge in America. Plus, we had the American League Championship Series where the Yankees kind of choked and got swept by the Astros. But I'm pretty sure a lot of people were really watching that, especially since there was a delayed start time because of rain here in New York. Um, but they're saying that, again, all the episodes of the series are averaging around 29 million viewers in the U.S., more than triple their average debut night audience, thanks to strong catch-up viewing. Because a lot of people don't get to watch these episodes when they're released on that night, right? I know Sundays are for, meant for HBO and all that stuff like that, but I feel like these days that hasn't really been a lot of the case. But a lot of people do tend to watch these episodes on Monday or Tuesday or whatever have you, right? Um, but I was able to watch it, and my God, this episode was... I think I, I yelled out loud in shock uh, twice or three times. Um, it was just it was just really well written and well put together. And it was interesting how episode nine really focused a lot on Allison and kind of how she's dealing with the death of uh, Veneris, um, who's her husband, obviously, right? And then learning about the secret uh, plan to get her son up onto the throne, right? And and totally ignore the original proclamation that Rhaenerys was the, the heir, the next in line, right? So it was really, really interesting to see how that all played out and how uh, uh, Rhaenys... And, and again, I, I should mention this. One, I've never re read any of the books... Two, 
I'm very bad when it comes to names, especially to with these characters. So if you're looking for like an expert opinion and review and deep, thorough analysis, there's so many other videos and channels out there who will probably do a better job than I am. I am more of that casual viewer that just loves this stuff and loves talking about it. And maybe I can speak to a more general casual audience um, about my reaction and how I felt about the whole thing. So just wanted to put that out there um, because I don't want anyone flaming me in the comments like, you don't know what you're talking about. That's not how you pronounce her name in Bitty Booty B. Look, relax. All right. I love the show. All right. And I thought this season was brilliant. I wasn't sure, honestly, how I would react to this season, especially with all the stuff that's happened with Game of Thrones, especially during that last season there, um, how that disappointed a lot of people. And I and I understood the disappointment, you know, um, but I think this really surprised a lot of people. And they did a lot of different things that we weren't accustomed to in Game of Thrones, which added to that. Right. But. It was interesting to see Reynas, you know, kind of not want to kneel to, you know, the new king and breaking out with her dragon. And we knew immediately she was going to go to tell uh, Rhaenerys and Damon about what happened. Um, and you knew Alice was like, oh, no, what's going to happen now? Right. So this whole episode was truly dedicated to just... Rhaenyra's, right? Just just uh, her take on um, the death of her father and learning about the treason and, uh, you know, appointing another king above her, right? And how they were going to deal with it. And it was just really fascinating and so good to see the acting really come out in this movie. I mean, in this episode, you know, especially... I don't know why we always have to have major news when there's a, a pregnancy happening. So we have another pregnancy happening, but she loses the baby. So it's like she gets the word from her that her father died. She is not really appointed uh, queen. They did this public appointing of an, another king above her. And then now she's in labor, right? And you could tell she's just in so much stress, stress and anguish and all that stuff like that that in a way she kind of wanted to get rid of this baby because she wanted to deal with everything else head on, right? So she forced, you know, she kind of forced the labor without any help. And I'm pretty sure that's what caused the baby to die as it came out. I mean, you could see like the umbilical cord was still around the neck and she was just refusing to help and all that. And this was so devastating, especially for Damon, because you know... He wanted, you know, a proper uh, child within that bloodline, you know, it's, and, and especially since she already has these, you know, bastards as kids, this would at least let everyone forget about them for a bit. You know, even though she loves them to death and all that, but he wanted something for himself. And you could tell, like, he was so devastated by this and I bet you, in a way, he kind of blames her for what happened. Um, but that being said, you know, the rest of the episode is them just trying to figure out what are they going to do. You know, Damon wants to go to war immediately. He wants to retaliate. Renarius doesn't because she has more of her father in her, right? So she definitely wants to, like, keep the kingdoms at bay 
and peace, and then we'll react accordingly, right? Um, but you know, the rest of the episode, it it and again another heartbreaking moment at the end where you know she learns that now she has the support of uh, Rainus and and her husband that finally woke up from his coma or whatever the case is. And they, you know, she comes to learn that they have full control of like the shipping channels. So if they want to kind of bleed them um, by not letting them get supplies and all that stuff like that, and then hit them on uh, with the support and all that, then that would probably be the best suit. But she's like, well, we have to make sure that we have these other kingdoms in alignment. So let's go find out. And of course, this is where we get now more uh, involvement with the Starks uh, uh, and, you know, the Baratheons and all that stuff like that. But how her own kids decided to be the messengers, right? And, oh, it was so heartbreaking with her with her youngest. Um, I believe uh, it, that was Luke. Oh, my God. You know, the the one who was responsible for Eamon's loss of his eye and how, you know, he was already nervous. And, and they had a really interesting conversation before all of this happened where, you know, he says, like, I'm not like you, mom. You know, like, I know I'm next in line for, uh, you know, like, if this if the sea snake dies, I'm the next one to rule this kingdom and, and all this stuff. But I, I can't do it, you know, like I, I, I'm not like you. I'm not perfect like you. And that was just such a heartwarming moment between the two. And but then I should have known that was like foreshadowing that something was gonna happen. Um and then you so when the, he 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 agreed to go to meet up with the Starks um and and deliver the message that you know, these people should not forget that they've already, you know, pledged allegiance to her being queen if her father was to pass. And who already beat him to the punch? Amon, the same dude that, you know, lost his eye because of him. And, you know, there he was ready to fight at that moment. And he was the poor boy was trying to escape. You know, in his little baby dragon. But Amon has that giant dragon, and oh man. I thought this this whole scene was so well done. How the baby dragon can really maneuver, the big dragon cannot. It's just this big intimidating force. So at first you're you're like, oh, he can escape, you know. And you could tell Amon was just being a bully, right, and all that. But then, oh man, all he had to do was just escape. But he had to kind of come back, breathe fire shot the the dragon in the face with it and then ran away and because of that moment Amon actually lost control of the dragon for a bit cuz now the dragon's just acting dragon right and dragon's pissed so dragon's on the hunt and of course what happened boom dragon found him ate him up and that's it there goes the little man done and Amon for that moment was just like what the fuck did i just do Holy shit. And then news went back to Renaris. And that look she gives you in the camera. Oh! Devastating. And scary. The episode was called, I believe, The Black Queen. 
oh man if you watch also the like kind of like the the recap with like creators and actors and all that they mentioned the dance of the dragons again i don't know anything about the books and all that but this is basically what leads to that because one of the things that damon and the rest of the council was talking about was like we control dragons they have four we have more than that and we can get more right there are a lot of the wild dragons out there that aren't tamed yet so we can go out there and get them you know and we could just basically show our brute force with these dragons um and i feel like in season two we're going to be seeing a lot of that and that's one of the greatest things about this this uh show because in the game of thrones it was all about you know humans battling out course there's a lot of supernatural entities and all that stuff like that and of course it was all about uh the walkers the you know coming over and and learning how to stop them and dealing with all that stuff like that but we got a glimpse of dragons um you know because of the the three dragons that were birthed you know um and we got to see them you know do their thing for a little bit but in this era we are getting to see the real utilization of dragons and how that really works well within the army, within the forces, within the kingdom and all that. And I think that's so good. It's so brilliant. It's so much fun to watch. But yeah, this this season ended with a huge bang. And I you really felt that impact of like all the things that are culminating throughout, you know, growing up with these characters, right? You know, when... They were when they approached Renaris at Dragonstone. Uh, you had the hand Otto, right, delivering a message, you know, trying to strike a bargain, a deal, saying like, "If you bend the knee, then we'll make sure that you have proper ownership of Dragonstone and this and that, and your kids' kids can, you know, be servants and all that kind of stuff like that." But they had he had a special message. And it was a throwback to, I believe it was episode one or two, when Allison and Renarius were kids and how they were reading about the tales of the old days and all that. And she ripped up a page to give it to Allison. You know, because I, you know, this was someone that they looked up to, right? A former ruler or warrior. I, I, I don't remember uh, verbatim. And how she was presented with this page from Allison. Allison still remembers their friendship and their love that they had. You know, in we saw previously right before Venerys dies that the whole family was able to be gathered back together. You know, even though dysfunctional as they are, you know, you have this poor dude that's been rotting and and pretty much losing limbs and and all that stuff through his life. And he looks on this side and he's like, yeah, I have my daughter who married my brother. I look over here. Here's my wife, right? And, you know, my my nutty kids, my my one son who likes to whack it off outside windows, you know, get uh, handmaidens pregnant and everything like that. You know, one lost an eye because the sons of my daughter that she had with some other dude, you know, had a fight with him. And now they want to marry their cousins, right? So it's kind of like this crazy dysfunctional family, but family nonetheless, right? And it was, you know, 
that's where Allison and Ranares finally had a rekindling. And, you know, you felt that it was genuine, that they really genuinely wanted their friendship and their love back. And then Venaris dies. And then Venaris, in his crazy state, tells Allison the story of uh, fire and ice or fire and blood or whatever the case is. Um, and how, you know, this person should rule and it happened to be the name of her son. But he thought he was talking to Venaris. So Allison mistook that for something else and da-da-da, this and that. And oh my gosh. The best part about this series, again, that is classic Game of Thrones, is the the political intrigue, you know, the backstabbing, the chess matching, you know, the 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 strategy and everything like that. I loved how when this series started, I you well, I, maybe you you did, I did not have any inclining that it was a story about Renaris and Allison. And kind of the war that they were going to go back and forth with eventually. You know, I I honestly, I thought the main focus was really going to be on Damon. You know, and Matt Smith did a brilliant job playing Damon. And I can't wait to see more of that. Um, but, you know, the earlier episodes were very heavily Damon focused. But in the background and what culminated throughout the season was really the, the positioning and the battle between the two sides of the family within the same family, and that is Alicent Hightower and Rhaenyra's Targaryen. And I thought just the writing be between all of that stuff was just so well done, so well executed. I love the time jumps, you know, because again, we didn't really see like that type of time jumps within Game of Thrones. I felt like, you know, maybe each season would have like a brief jump you know, between the seasons and all that. But within one season, we had time jumps of like five years, you know, whatever, how many years and all that. You know, we saw people grow up. That's why they had to recast for the main roles there. Even though Millie Alcock and um, Emily Carey as the younger versions of Renarius and Allison did such a brilliant job. Then you get to see Emma Darcy and Olivia Cook fill in the roles and oh, Everyone was just so good. Um, and the casting was brilliant. I mean, they really casted well for this show where you could really see that these are the older versions of the young ones that we saw already in the past. Um, you know, we got to see the kids grow up, you know. So Amond looking as crazy and how he looks so much like uh, Matt Smith, how he looks so much like Damon. So I, th I thought that was really really interesting and, and you know there's going to be something where that's going to be the the head-to-head -head right there Damon and Amon I bet you there that's going to be a big battle or confrontation or or something of the sorts right um you know uh it it was just it, it was and plus the season was very easy to follow you know I think one of the the hardest things about Game of Thrones is that you have all of these different kingdoms and families and even though everyone is vying for the throne, there's always turmoil within the same families too, right? So you have to really follow all of these things happening. Here are following one main family, right? That's why we, we really didn't get a lot of 
introductions to a lot of the other houses and a lot of the other kingdoms. That's why now I'm pretty sure we're going to be seeing more of what's happening in Winterfell with the Starks, the Baratheons, you know, all that stuff. I mean, we we had like, you know, the Sieg people and all that, um, you know, the high towers. Um, and it, oh, what's the deal with freaking uh, the Strongs too? Larry's Strong, you know, and his feet fetish and how Alicent was able to uh, work with that and manipulate it just so she could get what she wants to get and and that loyalty. Um, yeah, again, really, really interesting stuff. Um, the one, the I will say, the only disappointing thing that I had was kind of the the treatment of some some of the more ancillary characters like uh, Misaria, um, portrayed by Sonoya Benzuno, who I thought she was going to be a more prominent character, especially since. She was kind of like the mistress of Damon, right? Because Damon had no interest in his wife and all that. So I thought she was going to play more heavily into the storyline. Um, I mean, she had her moments too, especially uh, with dealing with some of the kids and, and kind of doing a lot of the, the back end alley, you know, secrets and, and manipulations and all that stuff like that. She showed up a couple of times. But I really thought she was going to be more in the forefront. You know, instead... Damon ended up, you know, with, you know, marrying the daughter of the Sea King and, and all that stuff like that. And then he has their his kids with her. And then, she, you know, she had a failed birth again and, and asked the dragon to kill her and, and all that kind of stuff like that. You know, uh, I, I also I, I read an article also online that it was very interesting. That I'm, I, and they weren't expecting people to fall in love with Damon, especially with, with like how evil he is and how like, like you know, bad he is. And I think they're having uh, not concerns, but they're they're just wondering how they're going to address this moving forward. Um, but I I'm not surprised. I mean, again, Damon is a very uh, attractive character, you know, especially with the way he thinks, the way he approaches things, how he took on that battle, uh, you know, by himself, and he was able to kill that crab digger, or whatever they called him, right? Um, like I thought that was freaking awesome, really, you know, and so it's no surprise, but then again, you know, like if you look at the original Game of Thrones, a lot of people fell in love with Jamie Lannister, right, and he was not an angel by any means, you know, again, and that's another thing too, like we didn't see much of the Lannisters at all, you know, just very briefly, especially when they were trying to vie for the affections of Rhaenyra's. But, you know, a lot of the other houses, we, we really didn't get a chance to see a lot of. But that didn't bother me. I love that we focused on this one house, this one family, this one kingdom. and Because there, there was enough conflict and turmoil within it. And, and just a lot of crazy stuff that's happening. But, yeah, with how things ended, we're definitely going to war in season two. And the battle between the, the, the princesses there, uh, the queens... Uh, uh, Allison and Rhaenerys. Um and I don't know. I don't know what's gonna happen with the king because I mean he he didn't want it. He was kind of reluctant, and then he kind of got that taste of when people were cheering him on and all that. He was like, "Yeah, that's right, I am your king." And then when that dragon showed up, he kind of like you know pissed his pants and all that shit. Um, but I loved how Allison did. She still stood tall, and she was like. 
I am not backing down on this. Like, this is my son, right? And this was the wish of his father, my husband, the king, uh, even though it was false. Uh, so she was just bracing for impact because she was going to go out with this, you know, regardless. And again, brilliantly portrayed by Olivia Cook there. Um, and again, Emma Darcy is just brilliant. So really, really loved the show. Uh, I had so much fun with it. I um, I heard uh, reports are saying now that uh, season two will be filming. We'll start filming early next year. So hopefully we won't have to wait too long for season two. Unlike Rings of Power, which they don't really have a fully fleshed out script yet. I'm sure they're still going to figure out what they're going to do with the budget. Because they did say that don't expect to see a season two for another two to three years. At a minimum, right? And that is really unfortunate. Um, so, so yeah. So, again, let me know. Like, how did, you know, again, I, I know a lot of people were watching this. And I think a lot of people were preferring this show over Rings of Power. And maybe right now. I mean, here's the question for all of you. Was House of the Dragon the show of the year with everything that's come out you know and how much of an impact that this had with a lot of people and the fan base like was this the best show on tv in this period or for the whole year let me know your thoughts in the comments i want to know about it and let me know you in the uh your thoughts in the comments about what you thought about the season how did you react and how did you feel about the last episode what would you like to see in season two, if you are a reader and a fan of the books, I also do. I would love to hear um, your thoughts of the adaptation so far. I've loosely heard that it is very similar, um, maybe with some liberties. But again, educate me. Let me know since I am not uh, familiar with the books at all. Um, I would love to hear all your thoughts about it and, um, you know, how you thought they handled the characters and this season of House of the Dragons. So. That's it. That is this uh, episode of Talking Talk. Um, thank you again for listening and watching. Um, two great topics to talk about. Again, would love to hear all your thoughts on Black Adam, the announcement of Henry Cavill returning as Superman, and House of the Dragon season finale, season one coming to a close. Would love to know how much you loved it and all that. So, until next time, again, if you are new to this channel and you haven't done so already, it doesn't cost you a thing. Hit that subscribe button. Hit that like. Hit the notification bell to get notified for any episodes or any videos that are uploaded onto the channel. If you prefer an audio version of this episode, you can find it on the Loki Geek channel on your podcast platform of choice. Just search for Loki Geek and you'll find this and many other episodes to download. Um, for those of you who are returning watching or listening again thank you so much for your support greatly appreciate it so stay cool stay classy stay safe this has been talking talk catch you next time all right peace out y'all